0: Welcome to Etchimon
1: with Willis and Alex.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Echimon. My name's Willis and I'm joined here as always by Alex. Hey Alex. Hey Willis. Hey everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us indeed. And really excited to be sharing with you another word, from the earlier part of the Bible, from the Old Testament. Once again, as from our previous episodes, last few episodes being from the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. And this time, our word is to put words in one's mouth. Alex, I think you were the mastermind behind at least identifying this word originally. Do you want to tell us a bit more about it and yeah, why it's been chosen as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fairly common phrase in English. So, Maybe it's hard to say that it definitely comes from the Bible. Other languages have this phrase as well, but it does fit in with our kind of a mini-series on David, a bit of a trilogy maybe. So this is the third phrase that it's kind of related to David, and it's from a pretty obscure part of the Bible, I think but it is a very intriguing story.
0: That is also a very intriguing introduction, if I may say so as well. So (laughs) very excited to hear more. Okay, I guess, first of all,
1: what does the phrase mean in the contemporary modern sense? I think in everyday language, when we say that someone's put words in my mouth or in their mouth or someone's mouth, it means someone is saying someone has said something even when they haven't said that thing so for example i don't know maybe my colleague says that my manager is giving everyone a pay rise and then i ask my manager about it and she's like no they're just putting words in my mouth that's not true is that acceptable that is a very acceptable one so yeah often it's a bit accusatory something that's not very honest. We'll see plenty of that in this story, I think, in the Bible as well. I'm very
0: excited to hear more. So, Alex, this book, as you said, is a story concerning David from those books of 1 and 2 Samuel that I mentioned earlier from the Old Testament of the Bible. Bring us up to speed, perhaps from our previous episode where King Saul has just died and David Last time, David mourning the death of Saul, and particularly the phrase that he used in his mourning of Saul and also his son Jonathan, who died, how the mighty have fallen. Bring us to speed as to what's happened since then and now, from where the current phrase to put words in one's mouth begins to originate.
1: Last time in the previous episode, David is someone who's, I guess, prophesied to be the future king of Israel. Former king of Israel has died. In tragic circumstances, King saw, and David mourns that in his lament. And then there's a bit of a long civil war. It's not a straightforward process for David to become king, but in the end, he wins out. But it isn't all smooth sailing from here in either. There's a lot of tricky things that happen. David does a really terrible thing in the chapters before this section, and you can read that, I believe, in chapter 11, 12 or so of 2 Samuel for yourself. It's kind of after that we actually get drawn into a bit of an episode with some of David's children. I guess the backstory behind this, which is a bit long, is in this episode with David's children, there's two siblings, two half-siblings, Amnon and Tamar, and Yeah, Amnon does a really evil thing and abuses his sister. And there's this third brother or a third sibling, Absalom, who is Tamar's full brother. He is really angry that his half-brother has done this really terrible thing against his sister. And they're all David's kids. And David is also very angry about this as well, understandably. But David doesn't do anything about this either. So the situation as it stands is that Absalom is really angry about his brother Amnon, and in fact, after a couple of years, he schemes to get his brother murdered or assassinated, and David hears about this as well. And so Absalom, it seems because he's murdered his brother, which wasn't actually probably wasn't the justifiable punishment for. Amnon's sin. Absalom flees, basically self exiles himself, and he stays in another land for a few years. So, just to recap, we have a sister who has been horribly mistreated and abused. We have the person, Amnon, who did that terrible thing to her, who has been killed. And we have Absalom, who killed his brother to avenge his sister and who's exiled himself away because he's overstepped that justice. And we have David, who kind of hasn't really been doing much at all. After a few years, he does want to see his son Absalom come back from exile, but he isn't very active about it. And so now we have another person step in, Joab, who is David's army commander. And he understands that David really does want to see Absalom come back, but he hasn't taken any steps towards getting him back. So this is where we finally get to the phrase. He gets a certain wise woman from a place called Tekoa, and he has a plan to use this woman to say some things to David to get him to change his mind, to reconcile and bring his son Absalom back from exile. So this is finally where we get to the phrase, put words in one's mouth. Joab puts Words into the mouth of this woman. So, this woman pretends to be a widow. So, she says to King David and asks for his help to get justice. And she tells her story, which again is made up by Joab. So, she says, I'm a widow. I had two sons who got into a fight. One son killed the other son. And what's happened is that the other people in the clan want to kill my son who's still alive to get punishment but what they really want is so that they can get the inheritance of her family. So one of her sons is already dead, has been killed and now they want the other one put to death and she's asking King David for help and David agrees to help this woman but then she uses David's words against him and so there's this quote I really like I think if you remember nothing else from this story, uh, maybe This quote where she uses an analogy, she says to King David, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. So the reason she's telling this story is that she's using this story as an example to bring Absalom back. And she's saying that that's also what God does as well. God doesn't want people to remain separated and estranged, but God finds ways for people to be brought back together. Now, David is all a bit suspicious, and he finds out that Joab is behind all of this, but he sees what's been going on, and he ends up bringing Absalom back from exile. So that's kind of a resolution there. It's not the end of the story and there's a lot more that goes on, but that's probably enough for this episode. A really confusing story of a lot of characters, a lot of tricky stuff, lots of violence and sin and evil, but also it seems that Hand of God is behind it all as well.
0: Thanks for sharing an incredibly At times, I think just straight out terrible and horrible and at times quite confusing story as well. I think my first instincts just hearing you recount that story is that it's just so, so messy. And if we're looking for a nice, neat story with a hero, I think we might be disappointed because it's hard to identify or even to have sympathy for anyone at the moment. Even Amnon, the guy who's been murdered by Absalom. At least I struggled to garner an overly great amount of sympathy for him, given the horrible circumstances of his own conduct beforehand that gets him murdered in the first place against Tamar. So it's just a real messy story. And I think the first sort of theme which I'd like to touch on, which I think we've touched on in a few previous episodes as well, particularly our one with our guest speaker, Isaac, on the phrase, nothing new under the sun, is the fact that the Bible does not shy away from the messiness of our world. And messiness is too too light of a word. Honestly, just from the absolute atrocities that can be committed by human beings against other human beings in our world, we reflected in nothing new under the sun. That episode with Isaac, that it is a comfort in one sense in the fact that the Bible is realistic, but also by itself, perhaps just a book that's realistic but doesn't provide any solution wouldn't be the most fantastic or satisfying thing either. And Alex and I both believe that the Bible yeah, not only is realistic. About what's happened, but is telling a story about a plan that God is working in the world to make things right as well. And I think we see glimmers of the ways in which God tries to make things right in the story as well. So I think those are my initial
1: reflections. There are glimmers of hope, definitely. And it may be a cliche, but looking at things that are bad in our world can point us toward the right direction to be looking at things. So for example, David has been prophesied to be the king of Israel, and I guess he's remembered popularly as maybe one of the greatest kings of Israel, yet he's clearly not a perfect king. and He doesn't deliver justice in this instance, not even for his own family. He's definitely very dysfunctional, and by the looks of it, neither is his son going to be any different. So it may be a cliche, but it does point us towards uh, a different saviour elsewhere in the Bible, who is Jesus for Christians, of course. And I think the idea of reconciliation, though, amidst all the violence, that is still something that's always there. That forgiveness and reconciliation through God is always there, no matter how bad the effects are. The price for justice is high. It's only through Jesus' a sacrifice, but Jesus had paid that price. And so I do think it's true that Joab and that the words he put in the wise woman's mouth, that God has found a way to reconcile people. And it's certainly not the end of the story. To put it very bluntly, rape and domestic violence and murder and estrangement and injustice, these things, it's not the end of the story. And that is God's promise whether you want to take him up on it, I guess it's up to you in a sense.
0: Hmm. And going back, I guess, to our phrase then to put words in one's mouth. So just to clarify, phrase comes about from the story here in Joab, in a sense, instructing the woman to, I guess, tell this story to David. And in that sense, Joab has put words into this wise woman's mouth. I wonder why the woman described as a wise woman in this passage. Is it because of those particular words that you found quite striking that she says to David about how God desires that even those who are banished and committed grievous sins like murder in the case of Absalom can become reconciled to him. Is she described as wise in that sense? Do you think? I don't know.
1: My initial thoughts are maybe... Some people may know that I can take things very... It may be easy for me to think that oh, lying is always wrong. And so in this sense, it looks like she's not even telling the truth to the king. And she's just making up the story to try and trick him, to manipulate him into doing something.
0: So wise but or crafty
1: maybe, or cunning in that sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe the wisdom is in the fact that she's using... A creative persuasive way to get David to change his mind and this isn't the first time as well so like a couple chapters earlier there's a prophet who uses a story to make David realize he's done the wrong thing and this is a very similar case where there's another story to I guess make David realize that yeah maybe I should try to put things right with my son maybe that is the wisdom there in how she communicates that's just a guess
0: it's an interesting guess so thanks for sharing that and i hope just from i think just the tiny amount of plumbing that alex and i have done into the story have given you our listeners a bit more of an appreciation of the origins of this phrase and particularly just an appreciation of its messy origins and i don't know that's something i think i'll be reflecting on a bit more whenever i hear that word to put words in one's
1: mouth used around thanks heaps for tuning in thank you for listening this far if you've listened the whole way it is a a messy very heavy themes but i hope it, it is something that presents hope that god just doesn't leave us in this darkness but does always present forgiveness and reconciliation i think that is what it's pointing to ultimately there's heaps more other questions that could come up out of this space. So definitely send us a private message or an anonymous message using the form. If you have a question or comment, and that's something that we could definitely discuss further. Fantastic.
0: Thanks, Alex, completely agree with all the things that you've just said. Definitely. Yeah. Flick us a message either privately or through the form and thanks for tuning in yet again to another one of our episodes we look forward to catching you in a future one as well Uh, this is Willis and Alex checking out